What happens for men is traumatic to be told that you have to shut yourself off from vulnerability is a tragedy and it's terrible. It has to stop. This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I am your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we provide content around the integration of holistic mental health, well-researched evidence-based education, and parenthood. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm very excited for the guest this week. Um, I've gotten the opportunity and honor to get to know her. I actually completed a training with... Um, Miss Winhall recently through the Polyvagal Institute, kind of working on my further expertise and understanding how I can continue to be not only a better therapist for the people that I work with, but also just a better father, a better man. Um, so kind of hitting all aspects of my life. And I stumbled upon this training um, in the Polyvagal Institute not too long ago and, and, and have been blessed by uh, her work and guidance in this field and understanding what polyvagal theory is. But before we jump too soon into the topic today, I just want to just welcome Jan uh, this afternoon. So thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing this afternoon, Jan? Thank you so much for having me, Travis. I'm good. Yeah, very good. Look forward to our connecting and dialoguing about polyvagal theory and Mm -hmm. embodied work and working with men and boys and queer people and women and everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the more I've gone into this field and understood um, specifically what polyvagal theory is and kind of knowing about it prior to getting, I guess, a formal official training through the Institute, um, kind of used it already, used the nervous system, understood it a, a bit. And, and this just took me to more depths, more uh, integration, more understanding, and really the how truly important having our nervous system as a foundation, like really how vital that is to understand and specifically linking that to men and fathers, which then will trickle down to, you know, boys, women, the people in our community, like obviously it has the impact, like you said, that it really does everyone, it just benefits everybody. And on the show, I really try to hit home with dads and dads and and men and giving that, that kind of lens uh, to help them. And so can you well, just I have quick, a son, so yeah. I have a vested interest in a partner. <laughs> yeah. Guy. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So important. I think so. And and before we jump in, can you do just a quick bio who you are, like the work you do, just to share that? So um I'm Jan Winhall and I wrote a book in 2021 uh, called Treating Trauma and Addiction with the Felt Sense Polyvagal Model. And that really changed my life when I wrote the book because then I met Steve Porges and uh, got became much more involved in the Polyvagal Institute. But over, you know, 40 years, I've been working with uh, with families and men and women and everybody, children and queer people and all, all walks of life. Hmm. Um, and mostly in trauma and addiction work. And then I became really interested in, I started really with working with women who were uh, incest survivors 40 years ago. And I realized when I was doing that work in the hospital setting that I just didn't feel comfortable at all with the way that women were being pathologized. Mm. 
And so I started hunting around. And then that work slowly, gradually uh, began to involve working with couples and working with men and working with trauma and addiction in this non-pathologizing context. Because what I saw in those groups with women was not so much what people were saying, but it was what they were showing me through what was happening in their bodies. Mm. And that's what led me to the practice of focusing, which is Jemblin's work. Um, in connecting with this kind of intuitive process in the body. And then that led me to uh, Steve Porges' work with the autonomic nervous system, which interestingly was part of the beginning work with feminist therapists way back Mm. there as well. We knew that a lot was going on in the body and that that was really the source of where to go to try to help people to calm down their nervous Mm. systems. And be able to heal. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about that and knowing more about it, it so reminds me of so many models of therapy, um, kind of looking at the need and the importance of using the body and listening to the body and how um, in my initial training in grad school, you know, we learn all the theories of this part of just becoming a therapist or a social worker as we learn these theories and where they came from and seeing how some are more left brain, more logical, like I think of classic CBT, which I think there's a time and place for it. Absolutely. It's a very powerful model of treatment. I think all these theories are kind of getting to the realization from what I'm seeing and probably what you've seen working in this uh, field longer than I have of, you know, even these other more left brain theories are saying, hey, we need to have some type of engagement to really see true healing, reintegration, and processing that it can't just merely be just our left cognition, um, because that's not enough. No, Uh, because what what, what we know from polyvagal theory, so polyvagal theory is really for, you know, for people who don't know, it's a different way, a new way of understanding the autonomic nervous system that Steve Mm. Porges Um, he discovered this branch of the nervous system. So this is the part of the body, like flight, fight, freeze, that Mm. we all know that, right? That sympathetic rush of adrenaline that happens in flight or fight. And then freeze is that stuck place, you know, the rabbit in the headlights. Mm. And what Steve Porges added to this was a state that he said is part of the nervous system which wasn't recognized in the traditional model. And that's the part that I call fold or what he called the dorsal branch of the vagus, of the Mm. vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is this beautiful, I imagine it as this long kind of golden uh, kind of pathway in the body. And this nerve, uh, it's the largest cranial nerve. um, It carries all this information up into the brainstem about what's going on in our bodies. Uh, both physically and then also in terms of if we're not safe enough, because that's what it's all about, right? Mm. Are we safe enough to stay grounded or are we like something's happened that scared us and we've shifted into either flight or fight as a way of trying to defend ourselves. Mm. And if we can't escape through either running or fighting back, then the body will shut down. And that's the state that polyvagal theory has named and and addresses. And it's been huge for us as trauma and addiction therapists because we all know that state in in our clients and in ourselves where we shut down and become numb. Yeah. 
because it's all about survival anything about it right so to survive the body has these incredibly adaptive ways Hmm. and so what's happened i believe is that we've left the body out of how we understand suffering Hmm. um that kind of western approach of you know really idealizing cognition and i mean i love to think i wrote a book (laughs) But thinking is part of being in your body and we've lost that connection. So what we're doing is, is talking about integration. Yeah. That we need to look at ways of, of existing and um, of writing about theories and whatever that integrate how we feel as well as what we think. And this is really where it's, where it's at and things are changing now to, to really bring more of, of that that question around how safe do we feel mm. into the way that we work. Um, and so that's really the essence, really the, the heart of polyvagal theory. Yeah. And the reason that it's so important is because it's it's like you said, it's foundational to how we understand our life. And this is so obvious, really. I mean, if I'm feeling just fine and safe enough in my body, I mean, no place is really safe now. I mean, we all know mm. that after COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And some people have known that forever because the world doesn't accept them. The way that they are. Mm. So, you know, if you're really lucky and you felt pretty safe in the world and in your life, then you see the world in a in a really different way than you do if you get really activated or something happens that frightens us. Mm. Then we tend to shift into either flight and run away, like the rabbit in the headlights, right? To run yeah. run away, yeah. or we fight. And then we understand the world very differently. Then the world is an unsafe place. Mm. And uh, the way that we behave and respond to certain things that happen is very different than if we feel really good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's obvious, really. It's it's really actually incredible that we've missed it. Mm. You know, because if, if we explain it to people, then you begin to really get it. It's like, And we all know people that are kind of stuck in one state in the nervous system yeah you know either they're always kind of angry or they're always kind of afraid and anxious Mm. and you know we also when we talk about men and socialization of men and we talked about this a little bit through email the other day that in many ways you know men are socialized to go to fight that that's the masculine response that's acceptable right right and women are often socialized to go to flight Mm-hmm. And so then you get all these relationships where people are stuck in nervous system states that are not working for them. Mm. And then the relationship breaks down. Yeah. 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 And, and I like how you said, and so I think important as we begin to work, not only with ourselves, but also with the clients we work with, is that these responses, fight, flight, that those are adaptive in the sense of surviving their context, their environment, whether it's cultural, relational, um, you know, environmental, all the above, that if they've been told this, that is what is quote unquote normal and acceptable. And so this becomes normal. But then the reality is we don't understand that actually these men, focusing on men here, are actually in a survival state, but we don't see that. We just see, oh, they're aggressive or they don't have, they're emotionally immature or... You know, it's or bad or bad or they're, or they're, they're bad, bad or they're, or they're the they're problem right? and they're a bad, yeah. they're bad. And yeah. the beauty of understanding how the nervous system works and also how 
culture defines the nervous system. Mm. Like you grow up in a culture where your nervous system becomes habituated to what you're, what's expected of you. Mm. Right. What right. feels unsafe then shapes your body. And so it's, it's very powerful to, to bring compassion to always mm. behaving because mm. if we can see them as the body's attempt to, to manage what feels threatening, mm. then we can help people who do hurt other people across gender to become in some ways to begin to establish more safety inside so that yeah. they don't have to go to these states where they hurt themselves or somebody else. We, yeah. I mean, we all do this to some extent. Right. And I, and I like how you said that we, yeah, we all do this to different extents. And I, I, I think a lot of it, working with a lot of men or working with couples and thinking about how often, you know, we look at men and saying, well, you just need to feel this. I'm going to take a very classic example. You just need to feel more. Right. And, what I hear from their partner, I'm thinking of traditional heterosexual couples, is I hear a longing for connection, a longing for to be seen. And so typically the female partner is in that anxious state, like I need something, I'm not feeling it. And, and often there's probably something in her past too as to why she's in this state and so working with her. But then what I hear typically with men is when they hear that word, just feel more, it's like I see the brakes being pumped, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And the walls going up. Yeah. Absolutely. Because we live in a hyper-masculine world that mm. is horrible for men. Right. I mean, I have a son. I mm. and I, I'm a I have very strong feminist roots. But for me, that doesn't mean that you turn against or, or away from masculinity. Mm. It's it's about all of us being safe and equal together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whatever your gender and race and mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah. So um, in order for us to heal, we all have to feel safe enough mm. to be able to connect with each other. And um, and it's a big it's a big task, but we can break it down. And if we start to work with what helps people to feel safe in the moment, because I think safety really does have to come from what's happening inside each of us. And how we can help our own bodies to slow down. Yeah. And this is where somatic practice comes in or prayer or my son does it often through playing the piano or mm. whatever it is for you that becomes a way of grounding and soothing in your body. Yeah. And then when we can help people to go there mm. slowly over time, just noticing that in the moment then we can start to really work on developing more intimacy because it mm. won't happen unless we feel safe enough in the moment. Yeah. And I think that safe enough in the moment is so key because if we link that to stereotypical, traditional, I would say immature, unbalanced, unhealthy masculinity that we see a lot of or that a lot of men have been raised in our culture, at least in the West, to really suppress any distressing emotions to... That that's bad, that's shameful, that's girl, you know, all those things that I've talked to to this day, I talk to men, that that's still part of their fear and narrative of like, I don't do this. This is just not what I do. And and a lot of men have helped heal that, but people come in my office, this is why they're here. And so this safe enough piece, but then you mix it with, well, being vulnerable in feelings isn't safe because 
I've been told implicitly or explicitly my entire life that these things aren't safe. And so how do we make that, I guess, the, the connection from if this has never been safe my whole life, and now I'm being told or asked by either my partner or fa- a friend to just feel. Or my child. Could, or my child. We could maybe see why that. To feel. Um, and right. then they push back. Yeah, of right. course. Because that's the well, defense, right? That's the defense. That's that's the body's way of keeping us in an old uh, kind of adaptive response that, mm. that's been shaped in our bodies, right? This mm. happens through trauma, too, in, mm. in other ways. I mean, I think that's traumatic. What happens for men is traumatic to be told that you have to shut yourself off from right. vulnerability is a tragedy and it's terrible. It has to stop. Right. I agree. Yeah. So with a lot of support from women too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be able to say to our men, it's okay. I can hear yeah. that you're scared. Yeah. And that can be hard, too, because we're socialized to be sexually attracted to men that aren't scared. Right. So that are, that are the stoic, strong, you know, yeah, perfect thing that doesn't have fear. And that also can create a dynamic, too. Right. If, you know, someone might be turned off by you're that. It's like, oh, wait, Absolutely. you're you're not a you're a feminine man or whatever. They know yeah, thinking yeah. Here, what I've heard in my office is like, oh, that's you're too much friend, feeling. That, but you're that's not too much feeling. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've heard that before. It's like feel, but not too much. I've seen that too. It's like, well, feel, oh, this scary. is too much feeling, right? It's like, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's yeah, a lot of psychoeducation. Yeah. And, and then working with the body because bodies need to learn how to rewire. Right. And this mm. is where the top down part comes in. So bottom up the, from the bottom up, the body's saying this doesn't feel safe. Mm. But the beauty of the way that we're designed as human beings is that we can also work top down yeah. so we can talk to our nervous system. And this mm. is how we, we, we rewire trauma responses. It's how we work with addiction in polyvagal, the polyvagal world. Yeah. So we we talk to our nervous system through being able to connect down in deep inside and develop some kind of a practice of listening to the body and helping our bodies to realize and appreciate that we can make changes, Mm. that we can develop new neural pathways in the brain that help us to be able to make those changes. And I'm sure you see that in your office all the time where people are able to, as they learn how to go inside and how to listen to another person's journey that way and make it safe for them. Mm. Um, then people will shift. They get these shifts in the body that yeah. shift states into um, a place that feels more grounded and connected. And then you see these gorgeous moments of intimacy mm. yeah. happen, yeah. right? But that's only if we get to that safe enough space of feeling. It's only if it's safe enough. Right. And that would be that ventral, right? The ventral, ventral branch of the vega. Ventral branch of the vega, which is that. And for those listening, these are, you know, if you could put in those terms just to make it simple, the steps is the, right, top down, the safety is ventral, right? Then we got sympathetic, which is our fight or flight, and then dorsal, vagal shutdown. Yeah. Right. And these are, these are all survival states that we all have, men and women, right? And anyone in between, we all have, this is part of our nervous system. We all have. And why do you think that's so important for men to, to know this? Because men, this? Need to, men need to feel safe. Mm. And, and, they, and they don't. You can tell that they don't because, so, because they live in so much of this sense of 
either fighting back with hyper-masculine aggression or uh, shutting down or suffering because they don't do either of those things. They just stay in fear. Mm. And that's shameful in our society. So, um, So it's crucial for all of us to be able to understand that so that we can bring safety and compassion to ourselves and to each other, and particularly in parenting. I mean, our children are right. desperate for us to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because if they go, if we're in fight and we're trying to manage our kid who's showing a lot of vulnerability, that's going to be very scary for, for mm. men because the body will read it as unsafe. Right. And then you get into toughening your kid up so that they'll be safe in the world. Mm. And that's really like sad. Yeah. It's understandable, right? Yeah, I, I love how you how you say that. And I think that's such a needed needed way of looking at this world today. Because I see a lot of accounts out there, Instagram and different things. And a lot of them challenging men to, you know, seeing that men need to be better, better, quote unquote. But I think sometimes missing this component of looking at how men have adapted in survival states to survive this and part of that is by fighting this and then passing down that generational essentially and i love how you said it is it is a trauma Trauma. you're being told not to feel you you know don't cry like that's kind of shutting down a natural state of being and saying this isn't safe and so like you said dads will if they don't check this will unintentionally do this to their kids because they're just doing what they were taught that ooh, this is a danger this is a threat so let me teach my son what I had to do to survive because this is what helped me. And so I passed that down. And I think it's not an intentional harm. It's a, I'm trying to help my kid because that's what makes sense. And so I think these accounts out there that I've seen, they don't, they don't recognize that trauma piece that I'm trying to work on with this and kind of seeing how, how we need to approach it much like a trauma survivor that, the, the the responses I'm seeing this I've been seeing this connection doing EMDR therapy and attachment focus work and attachment and now polyvagal that I'm seeing almost the same not almost really the same response to trauma that hyper unhealthy unbalanced masculinity has done to men and to boys is the same thing we get put into the same states and we turn to different types of addictions to solve the problem whether it's alcohol very common in men drugs pornography is another big one that men turn to to regulate and dysregulate the nervous system huge one and pornography is a huge problem because i've done a lot of this work in sex addiction and worked a lot with men Mm. because um it really reinforces those roles Mm. of hyper masculinity and women as these kind of passive seductive and reducing sex to kind of body parts Right. Not about intimacy. Mm. Intimacy is the last thing in pornography that you want. Right. So right. Uh, it's it's very it's we're at a real crossroads right now, and yeah. understanding that everybody needs to feel safe in order to mm. be able to hear each other and to listen and to really deepen a capacity for intimacy mm. and connection, right, with each other and with the natural world. Because I really believe, and I also believe this is a big part of white supremacy. Mm. It's the way that we're we're socialized as white people to really have this kind of hyper-masculine notion of things mm-hmm. that traumatizes men and women, and yeah. definitely people of cross-gender. I mean, yeah. 
So it's a big task. Yeah, it is a, it's a big task. Yeah. It's a big task. But if we, in some ways, if we see it this in, in such a broad way, in some ways it's hopeful too, because we can say, okay, we get this. Yeah. We all have to work on how do we feel safe with each other? And that mm. when I'm working with a man who has done harm to a woman, physically harmed a woman, mm. we go to, what is that all about? How did you get stuck in fight? Mm. How wow. did your nervous system in your body get stuck in a fight state in the nervous system? Wow. How can we help you? to feel safe enough that your body can shift into a more ventral state, then you will feel safe to be able to connect in an intimate relationship. Right. And so often the way that that's happened is it's just a replication of trauma. People, yeah. people learn through what has happened to them. Right. Yeah. So people ask me, how can you do that work? And how can you work with men with sex addiction? I'm like, mm. because it's beautiful work. Mm. You help people to understand you're not bad. You haven't done, yeah. You're not bad. We've all done bad things. And, I, and I'm not trying to in any way minimize that we have to take responsibility for harm. Right. But when we understand where that comes from, then we can forgive ourselves. Hmm. And then we can change. Because you can't right. feel safe if you're judging yourself, right? Well, no, you're right, because that, that, that isn't safe. <laughs> That's the criticism. So you're going to fight against that judgment or find a way to cope with it, and often you buy into it and then do the very thing, because if this is true about me, and I think of, I think of shame, like how shame is so integrated. I, I see shame all the time, how shame is so integrated. Those that are listening, shame is this, you know, in short, negative prescription of self. Like, I'm bad, I'm worthless, I'm not enough. Like I'm flawed, You're I'm weak, broken, and I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm broken, and so this becomes I'm dependent. Um, yeah, and so then you live your life as if that's this is the quote unquote truth that I'm this thing, and so anything I do, well, it's because I'm this, because I'm broken, because I'm shamed, because I'm bad, because I'm flawed, because I'm broken, so I can't heal because I'm at my core as I'm a broken human being or I'm a bad human being, so. Shame is so integrated in this too, which is, I think it's, again, it's, it's that how we see the world, how we make sense of a little kid is that we see it through this lens. We blame ourselves as the problem because we're egocentric as kids, right? That we're, we're focused on ourselves, that this is me, and then we buy into this narrative and then we do things and that reinforces that belief system and then we get stuck and stuck and stuck. And then people even actually say it to us. They explicitly say it to us sometimes too. For some people, like they're told this repeatedly by parents, by teachers, by society. Some are implied, some more, some is more subtle, but they're not bad. And to hear that is like, it just really brings me joy to hear the work that you're doing. Like truly, I'm like, wow, this is what men need. And it yes, and women, what, it's what we, we all, all need it. Men really do need this because right. more women are reaching out for help. For right. men to reach out for help, is oh. already violating a social norm. Totally. Right? So, yeah. and also, I mean, the really powerful thing about polyvagal theory too, is that, you know, in that shame state, that's the dorsal shutting down yeah. shame state, mm. right? folding in. Mm. We can work with all of those different states in a very physical way too. Like if you're feeling this way, and, and we can all go to this at times, what we need to actually do is get up and move and go mm. and make eye contact with somebody. And so we use these kinds of, of kind of ways of managing different states that really 
can be quite profound without doing a lot of therapy even in moments, you know? We can also, if we're in that flight panic state or fight state, we can teach people without getting involved in the whole story even in, in, in moments in time, how to come down into feeling into your feet mm. and slowing everything down and being with another human being who believes in you, mm. that you're not bad, that we all do bad things. Mm. But in your essence, you are not a bad human being. People aren't. I mean, maybe some people are. I don't know. That's a whole other, that's sure, a whole that's other a, podcast. I'm sure that's a whole people. other podcast. So we but, could. but, you know, but basically speaking, people that we're working with often, yeah. there's yes. a good heart in there that right. is, is, is wired to survive by responding in threat. And mm. when that happens, we get stuck in bad places. Mm. So... There are very many powerful ways to work somatically in the body directly that can have a profound impact quickly. Maybe it doesn't sustain all the time for the first while, but it's helpful in the moment. Mm. You know, if you wake up in the morning, that early morning waking where people feel depressed and shamed often, yeah. you know, and you don't want to get out of bed, you know that that's exactly what you need to do. You need to kick your butt, get out of bed and go for a, a powerful walk, mm. phone a friend, go see somebody, make eye contact with three people during the day. If yeah. you're isolated, things that in just very physiologically in the autonomic nervous system, help us to shift states mm. because that's what addictions do right? Yeah. Addictions, what we, how we see addictions through the polyvagal lens is that they're like propellers that shift us. So, you know, if you're living in fight and particularly if you go to work and your boss shames you, mm. you come home and you drink a bottle of wine, you shift from fight into folding in into that dorsal shutdown shame state, but it mm. numbs you. It brings a relief in the body, but it's not a relief that is going to shift you into a grounded ventral place. It's a relief that's going to shift you into shutting down in isolation. Mm. And, and then that, it rinses repeats, right? Then you... That's the terrible addictive trauma feedback loop that we talk about. Yeah. Because the next day when the alcohol wears off for the guy, you know, using a, a dad or something who's coming on a bit shamed at work, feeling horrible, maybe doesn't talk to a spouse, or maybe he just like you said, drinks, wakes up the next day and starts over. Yeah, because how can he talk to his spouse? Because that's not high, that's right. not masculine. That's not being a sexy guy. No, it's and weakness to talk, right? It's weakness. Is, it's frightened of it too. Right. Then they're right. reinforcing each other. Mm. And then they're in this terrible trauma feedback loop. Yeah, and so they, they don't even know it. And they don't know. No, people no. don't know. So we can no. do a lot now. Yeah. Many different working in many different avenues in, you know, whether it's mm. through the body, through understanding the cultural lens, yeah. through understanding the psychological trauma lens, what happened to you in your early attachments, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's really hard for parents now because so much of the culture is so screwed up. Mm. And yeah. so I really feel my kids are older now, but I really feel for young parents that are really struggling to do a good job. And lots of people are like you, 
You know, you're here because in part, you really want to be a good dad. I can, I know that about you and a good partner. Yeah. And um, we're not going to get anywhere by shaming people more. No, no. And I think time we need, I think the, the being curious, the time, not shaming, but an invitation to see them as adaptive. And I know it's hard for sometimes couples, especially when they're stuck, like, because I know the often I'm thinking of heterosexual couples here, the wife is often tired, right? And maybe has even asked husband to feel, but it's like they don't, the awareness of why the defenses are there, she might even understand as to why, but even then there's like sometimes an impatience. Well, I, I also have empathy for her impatience, yeah, right? I fully do. I'm like, oh, I understand you really need him here. You really need him to see you and attune to you. And, but he's like, heck no, like that's going against all my trauma hurts. And I was told this and like, I am, I am, you know, and they might even say, I am feeling, what are you talking about? I'm doing it. And it's like, well, they, it's still that resistance because it's still scary for them, but they won't say that. And now for a short break. So if you're looking for ways to support the show and my YouTube channel, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. There you can make a one-time donation or join the monthly subscription service to support all that I'm doing at the intersection of fatherhood and mental health. And all the proceeds go right back into all the work that I'm doing into production, into continue to grow the show to bring on new guests. So again, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. Thanks. And let's get back to the show. I'm wondering for men that you've worked with, when they get stuck in that kind of fight place, even flight, I, I do see men get stuck in the flight. They might fight yeah. and they'll, they'll shut I mean, town too. I think of, I think of like a, a avoidant attachment style, right? Where that is a, you know, a fleeing from the emotion and sometimes even numbing out and shutting down yeah, because, shutting down. Yeah. you know, I'm not going to feel, I don't want to make it worse. So I'm just going to stay quiet. I'm not, I don't want to make this worse. I'm going to let her get upset and I'm just going to kind of be this like blank, empty shell until she's done talking. <laughs> because I know if I say anything as a kid, often it made it worse. So I learned to not say anything Yeah. and I just shut down. So what do we do with men? What are some practical things that you found helpful in your practice to help them be aware of their state, their nervous system state? What are some practical things we can do to help them? Well, I created um, a kind of fun uh, model called the six Fs. Mm. Um, and I, that really came from working with clients. So we started to play with how could we remember and orient to what state we're actually in in the body. And so we made up these, a, a kind of graph, a graphic model that people can download. You can download lots of things on my website, janwinhall.com, lots of free things. And one of them is this graphic model. Some people were actually even putting it on their, their phone or their watch. <laughs> and it's a colorful way of, of looking to see where am I right now in my body? Mm. Am I down in this kind of place that we called flock? where people, we, we feel comfortable to connect with other people. We feel safe. Does it feel like that in my body? Like initially we have to really help people to just learn how to feel into their body. Mm. What does it feel like to feel okay in your body? Yeah. A classic answer I hear from men. I don't know. I know. That's a, right. That's a classic answer. Not to feel into their body. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's the first piece really is like noticing mm. What's going on in your body? And doing these lovely practices of helping people to connect with that space that feels safe enough in the body when they're ready. And then we use body cards to, and that can be really hard for men at the beginning because it's like, we don't draw, we don't use crayons and draw things on body cards. So you go slowly, you go slowly. 
that. But learning, little kids love that process though. Learning how to identify, am I in a grounded, safe place in my body, that part of the vagus nerve called the ventral vagus? Mm. Or am I living, like noticing your muscles, for example? Are my, nus- are my muscles tight and constricted? Well, mm. that's adrenaline and cortisol, that's pumping with either anger, like is there a feeling of anger that goes with it, frustration, or is it more fear? Mm. Or do they kind of shift back and forth a lot in your day, you know? Yeah. Or is there also this place where you just feel really like stuck, like you're kind of spinning your wheels and going nowhere? Mm. Let's freeze. Right. Or is there kind of this lethargic and kind of, warm almost sometimes limp feeling in the muscles that mm. starts collapsing yeah and, and over time we can teach people to notice what does it feel like in your body in your breath as well there's a similar thing right like mm. when breath is accelerated the heart rate goes up and that's a flight fight place mm. right and so we can start to teach people that it's it is important to come into your body and that's a skill that you can yeah. learn. I teach it through focusing. Yeah. Um, Jen, Eugene Gendlin's work, beautiful work. Yeah. Um, you know that from doing the focus mm-hmm. partnerships. Yeah. We also teach listening. So, and in my book, I have a whole way that I've integrated uh, working with Imago, which is Harville and Hendricks and Helen LaCallian's work of bringing couples together and teaching them a kind of dialogue process of of listening and I integrated working with that in the body through focusing and listening and through the autonomic nervous system so you can teach couples to become pretty sophisticated in terms of understanding each other's bodies like I know for example my default I live a lot of the time in a pretty grounded ventral place now but my default would definitely be sympathetic Mm. up in that you know, and I know that my partner's default is dorsal. And that's mm. pretty, that's a pretty common, as we were saying, yeah. gendered kind of um, dynamic, right? Yeah. yeah. People learn that about themselves. And then, then you learn that most of the time, if you're, if you do a lot of work, if you need to, that um, we both did, you, you can live in a pretty grounded ventral place together. And yeah. then there will be times like we just had a dear friend who died. Mm. both of us have kind of gone to our places a little bit, you know, me a little more mm, and mm. my husband a little more mm. <laughs> yeah, shut down. Yeah. A little yeah. More. And, and, you know, but then reminding ourselves and coming back to focusing and listening together, listening to what's happening in each other's bodies. Yeah. Uh, and, and then moving back into a more grounded place. So the practices mm. work very well over time because the body rewires literally it changes and that's really what healing is about it happens in our bodies yeah and and part of that understanding this model of knowing understanding our bodies healing in our bodies is is one understanding our states not to shame them but to recognize that they serve a purpose like you said is that these these states serve purposes the the, you know the the fight or flight the freeze and the full that's kind of like this this space that and we kind of could move in and out of them, you know, within even a day. You could move, right? It's not like you're... Oh, yeah, we do. I mean, if, if, just, even if you're sitting in a nice kind of <clears throat> s- uh, space and uh, the door bangs, we go right. into sympathetic. Of course we do. Right. That's a natural 
response in the body that we need mm-hmm. to mobilize and get out of there, find out what's going on. There's a threat. <laughs> right. And in the free state, what does that look like a lot with men when they're in a free state? What do you tend to see when you work with them? They're like often state? shifting from this kind of constriction to shutting down. And it's it's often facilitated by addiction. So, yeah. you know, I mean, addiction is so on the rise now, too. Mm. Um, because we're living in, in traumatic states with COVID, yeah. with climate change. Um, and so, yeah, freezes is this place. It's called, we, we call it a blended state. It's a blending mm. of sympathetic and dorsal. Mm. And addictions serve as strategies that shift you back and forth. So if you yeah. get too anxious or too angry, mm. the body can't sustain that for a long time because a lot of energy. So it will shift into a folding in and shutting down. And we learn, we learn even like, I just think instinctively, we learn these, there are these ways that we go to, to really facilitate that shift efficiently. Hmm. And those ways are often through alcohol or other substances or Hmm. food or sex, all these ways that are really, um, they're powerful shifter states in the body, right? Yeah. An orgasm is a powerful shift in body state and men are socialized to be addicted to sex. I really believe that pornography yeah. is just, that's the norm. Yeah. That's just what people do. That's what guys yeah. do. It's and it's socially acceptable. It's even pushed in TV it's, and it's movies and it's the you know, industry in the world. Yes, it is. Unfortunately. Um, well, what does that tell us about what's happening for boys and men? That's a tragedy. Oh, it's a total, and I think we forget about, in fact, it is the episode coming out this week, you're going to come out next week, because I think it's going to pair well. We actually talk about, with another therapist of mine, pornography, and kind of go into what we see men, and, and we kind of look at it as it's, you know, what, it serves a purpose, so we look at it from an adaptive stance, first and foremost, that it's, it helps regulate ourselves. The dark side of that, obviously, as we know, is that it, it keeps us actually stuck and enslaved to this kind of trauma. And that we don't actually move anywhere but darker and darker and darker and it creates more problems. And so these states that we live in, it's so key. And I'm thinking as you're talking about these states, I'm thinking of now a typical dad parenting and why I think this is so important for men and fathers to know. Because I, you know, even myself, like I think of an example just recently, my kids are having a conflict, they're having in someone push someone, some, they're in a dysregulated state, they're in the little nervous systems are growing and they're kind of in their fight or flight state. And often it's that fight, I hear them in the room, and then I'm hearing the tension, and then my radar goes up. And so I could do one of two things. The first one is I stay activated. Yeah. Which have I? Yes, I, my, my nervous system's been up. Of and so I, I, I run in there and I like, hey. What's guys, going on? Stop what's it. What's going on? Stop, Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> which I've totally done. But guess what happens to them? Yeah, they go hard, further up. They go further up, run one, my one runs away and goes somewhere else and like won't stay. The other one now is in tear and it's just, and then I, I feel the energy and not to shame that, but it's like my nervous system took, I just let my nervous system in a way kind of drive me, so to speak. And well, I was reactionary. You, you just went through to this autonomic state and, and yeah, you didn't rewire and upgrade into, right. okay, now I feel my heart pumping up because you will yes. and I'm going to make a different choice because I've really been working on how to be more aware mm-hmm. of what's happening in my body and yeah. I'm not going to go in there and yell I'm going to go in there and say 
Woo, guys. Let's all go find where we are in the six Fs. <laughs> you know, where are you right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, or yeah. whatever it is, you teach them, right? Yeah. How to find the place. Let's go to that place in the body where we can calm down. And this mm. is where using body cards with kids is great because they see the visual. Yeah. Um, body cards are like, we just have like a, a shape of a body on a card and they people can use crayons or whatever to draw what's happening in the body mm. and then we use specific ones for drawing these sweet spots so kids will draw like um often they'll draw the color they'll use yellow everybody does really for these beautiful grounded ventral states mm. and then you've got something you can actually concretely access to help them to learn where do you need to go when things when you're feeling upset oh, i yeah. need to go back to that place with the warm whatever it is in my tummy or you know whatever that is that helps people to calm down Um, i have families where people stick it on the fridge you know it's just Mm. a way of checking in in the morning how are you doing today what's going on i don't feel so good oh you're up there in that place you know Mm. maybe we could give you a little special something to take with you off to school today to feel better so we can do it as adults too yeah when I find myself now, you know, do I still sometimes, my nervous system for sure, all, all the time, but I've learned really to, when I notice that heart, that increase, that tension in my chest and I'm, I'm, I feel my body almost get this energy about it to go rush in there. Yeah. What are you doing? Something I found very practical to help me is when I notice that is I've done this work, so I'm highly aware, but it doesn't mean I still get stuck by the way. Yes, I'm a trained therapist, but I get stuck all the time. But I've learned to get unstuck and to recognize it to help me navigate out of that state. And a practical step I've done, and maybe you could speak to this, is that I'll take a breath, I'll take a few breaths, and I've purposely will walk slowly into the room. Like almost like I'm putting, you know, the, the vagal, I'm putting the brake on by my by purposely walking slowly to keep my body in kind of a calm, like, okay, I'm walking. I'm not, because once I get into that rush state of like rushing in, unless someone's like, someone got hurt, I need to get in there, and make sure they're safe. Yeah, but of course. That, that, I'm not saying at those moments, but the other moments is like, okay, I'm, let me stay regulated because when I'm regulated, when I'm walking, I'm able to keep my kind of my nervous system saying, okay, I, I'm here, I'm regulated. And because when I walk in that room from in a regulated state, mm-hmm. it's not that they just magically, I'm no. regulated, dad. <laughs> um, wouldn't no. that be nice? But 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 there is difference I, when I walk in there because I'm calm, I kneel on the floor, I sit down, and then I'm not, I'm not in a rush because when I'm in a rush in parenting, it never goes well. <laughs> I, I'm calmer. I'm able to take time and kind of tune into both my boys and now my daughter who's involved sometimes, but she's, her awareness is she's only 16 months, but she comes in, she'll, she might even instigate the the meltdown because she destroyed something that they made. Yes, of so she comes in and messes it up and then it's everyone's, yeah. you know, in tears and she's over there like, you know, doing, doing her thing. But when I walk in, I'm able to like not rush them, not like say, just get over it. Not like, you know, get, but man, I get that. I see you. I, I know that was frustrating. And kind of acknowledge where they are. And then there are times when that kind of just boom, it hits them and they're able to kind of, you see them just kind of relax. Yeah. And you actually see their face like, oh, and the tears are like, they, they're they seen and they're heard and they felt safe. And sometimes it takes them still a little while to kind of come down. Yeah, but yeah. 
it does. I'm there. You're co-regulating. I'm co, and that's the key. I think dads, the power you have to co-regulate. That is to say, to help your your safety helps them feel safe, which helps them calm down their nervous system states to regulate with yours, and then you're actually able to talk to them and engage them and teach them. Yeah, because you're actively giving them these cues of safety. Right, because we have to. We are the model, and I think that's sometimes where we get. It's like we can't expect kids to. If we do, if we can't get there ourselves, we can't expect our kids to get there. No, because no. they're going to feed up our energy as dads and as moms, but as dads, folks, and dads, like if we're constantly in that state, they're going to feed off that, and then they're going to be thrust into their survival state, which is either going to be fight, flight, or freeze, or shut down. Yeah. And so we show them that that we are that safety. That's that attachment. You know, secure attachment. That I'm here. I'm safe. I see you. You know. We still need to set boundaries. Obviously, we still teach. I still teach my kid. You can't hit your brother, right? That's not okay. We, we got to use our words. But yeah, yeah. I can only get there if we, like you said, if they feel safe enough. And it has to come from from me. It has to come from me modeling that safety and being that safety to get them there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't just demand it. And I think that's where it's like we demand that that parenting. Like, well, just just, just get it. It's like, uh, no, we're no, missing a whole that's, piece. That's top down. Right. right. It's not yeah. about that. It's about understanding that the body mm. responds autonomically. It yeah. just responds. Bodies mm. have a lot of wisdom. It's yeah. like your bodies respond with temperature, right? If you um, become ill, bodies often will raise the temperature to try to fight the bacteria. We don't think to ourselves, oh, gee, I better raise my temperature. Right. The body <laughs> does that automatically. Right. It right. does a lot of things automatically. Many, 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 many things that we've kind of bypassed because we don't acknowledge and honor the body. Mm. So the body is already taking care of us by responding. And we can also then use our head to um, slow things down and talk to our, I kind of think of the body like, um, like a, 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 like a dog that you that you you know you you have a family dog that loves you and guards you and protects you and you mm. go for a walk and the dog sees somebody they don't know and they go up into fight and if you know that person you can say to your dog it's okay that's Charlie Charlie's safe mm. and then your dog settles back down into ventral well we kind of can be that way with our own selves. The body goes up because it's it's the it connects everything connects up to this um, uh, part of the brain, the brain stem, which is not a sophisticated part of the brain. It's a primitive part of the brain. Hmm. And so it just kind of goes safe, not safe, <laughs> like your dog, safe, right. not safe. And so okay. you kind of have to say to your body, it's okay. It's hmm. okay. That's George. And we know George. Or it's yeah. okay. Um, the door slammed but that's that's just my friend from next door and the wind caught it as she was coming in mm. ah okay mm. now the hard thing is that with folks who have a lot of trauma when the system gets dysregulated like that it takes a long time to come back into mm. safety and yeah. so all of us now are dysregulated with what's happening in the world yeah so we have to work harder and it takes longer to come back to feeling a little better yeah. about yeah. the moment. Because really, safety now just really happens in little moments, you know, because yeah. we never know, right? And we've always never known what's going to happen in the next moment. But now it's really yeah. so Even more so, yeah. Acute, yeah. 
And and how you put it as we kind of wrap up is that the idea of that, you know, men looking that through the lens of trauma and the kind of unhealthy, unbalanced, immature, <laughs> misused masculinity, right? Um, I've left boys and men traumatized and, and girls, but again, boys have been traumatized. And so you said it so specifically that it's some, it takes time to re to really retrain, rewire the brain that emotions are safe and needed. Being vulnerable is safe and needed for relationships, whether with your spouse or your kiddos, because they're needing it from us. But it takes time. We have to, going back to that dog analogy, that if Charlie, you know, has maybe was hit by this type of person, right, its whole life, and it's a dog that you adopted or, you know, now you got from the, the you know, you know, rescue. Yeah. It takes oh, yeah. time to retrain that dog yeah. to say this is this person is not because they because dogs will remember they'll remember like a, maybe a hair look or you know maybe height they they it goes in their memory that this is a threat and so you have to rework with that dog that no I'm safe or females are safe or males are safe depending on who or you know or postmen or depending on what it was you have to it's like you work with the dog's nervous system and that takes time that takes repetition that takes patience and I, I know dogs aren't men aren't dogs but to take that analogy is that we gotta take time and, and understand and be curious about their story of well why are you responding this way tell me about that and help you teach and be that safety as we do as therapists we kind of are that safety and for some of these men we might be the very first person in their life that has been that for them totally um we don't because that's for some people it is they've never had anyone they've talked or, to about or these their things. mom was safe for them but they were shamed into yes. having to cut off the intimacy yeah. with mom because it was perceived as as um not masculine the feminine yeah. i mean this is yeah. ridiculous i know and I know. sad it's a tragedy really yeah it so, is well we we just have to do yeah we gotta do our work <laughs> so if you could leave an encouragement for men what would you what would you encourage or say to men right now in the world we live in? What would you what would you give them? I guess I would say to to reach out. Mm-hmm. Look for a place where something in you says it feels okay to mm-hmm. be a little more real or vulnerable and reach out. Reach out and um, give that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because it's really is through healing that shame that people yeah. Both people change. Right. So mm. I hope that because that's the stumbling block. It's like we talked about, it's like the shame of reaching out stops Ben from reaching out. And it's a vicious yeah. circle. Mm-hmm. So we can stop that by, you know, really appealing to men to yeah. take yeah. a little risk and reach out to somebody that starts to feel like it makes sense. This is what I know happens in, in the work that we do and in my groups that you know, where people feel safe and then they yeah. start to really have what we call these moments of liberation. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm not a bad person. Yeah. And yeah. I can feel scared and that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. Girls. Yeah. And, and where can we find your work? Just uh, pitch that one more time. And, and Janwinhall.com really okay. lists all of the um, places where I'm teaching and downloads yeah. uh, and podcasts. There's lots of free podcasts you can watch. Mm. Um, I try to make lots of available because therapy is expensive. I know it really is. And you and really need to do much more to making these things accessible. And I pretty agree. soon I'm going to start doing addiction groups again. So, 
Oh, wonderful. It stopped because I'm writing another book. So. Oh, I'm excited for that. And and for those listening, and those listening, I'm going to link everything in the description in the podcast notes. Her website. In fact, I'm going to have a nice link straight directly to that six F's. Um, kind of PDF if you want to print it out with you for your yeah, kiddos. Yeah. Like it's, I'm gonna have all in the link, for, you know, to follow her work, to her book. Everything's gonna be in the description if you're interested. Please check it out. And Jan, I thank you, uh, I thank you so much for taking the time out today to I think to have this. The more and more I look into this, the more and more I realize the importance of understanding, uh, you know, this kind of masculine, unhealthy, how it's been used as a weapon, and how we need to help men be alongside them to help heal, to be curious, to be safe. And to help see the beauty of masculinity as a as the positive, healthy masculinity. Absolutely. And to be that bridge. And so I, I'm so thankful you're the work you're doing and the integration of all that you're doing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you for your time today. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Jen. Bye. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone. <laughs>